Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Am here indeed. Muggy enough for you? I, I was pretty taken aback when I went out into the sun today. I was like, oh, it is muggy. I'm getting mugged by small particles of water who are sapping my energy from the air. It's, uh, it's a thing. Look forward to it. Raging discussion at work the other day of whether you would prefer, you know, 100 degrees and all the humidity or the 25 degrees with the biting wind. Where, where I, I totally anything above 15 degrees, I think, is a fine and lovely. And that's why I live here in the powerful north. All right, so if you pick up your magazine, your Minneapolis St. Paul magazine, July, it's got your top doctors on it, and you go into it. You will find another reason why the mighty north is the mightiest land of all, and that's because our seafood is awesome, even though we're very far from the sea. So here's a story I want to tell you. A couple of years back, maybe low about 2004, seafood was terrifying. It was a mess. Here's all the things that were happening. Fish farms were hurting the wild fish with like sea lice and pollution, bad things. Overfishing was emptying out the oceans. There were all of these stories about how the oceans would be just flat out gone. 2045, we'd all just be eating nothing but soybeans forever. And everywhere you looked, seafood-wise, was a catastrophe. So maybe like farmed oysters, they were doing fine. And then what happened was a happy story. A lot of people rose up, good people, started working on this problem uh, Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. That was one you probably heard about at the time. And locally, the Minnesota Zoo leapt in with their Fish Smart program. Chef Tim McKee opened two, count them, two sustainable seafood pioneers. That would be Sea Change at the Guthrie and then Masu, the first sustainable sushi place that I knew of in town and definitely the first. Uh, I just So this big story that's inside our July Top Doctors issue is – kind of traces what is going on today, how we went from this catastrophe to a place that we've got a really nice, sustainable culture here in the Twin Cities. You have to go out of your way to avoid the good stuff. And to talk about all the things that are going on in the oceans, I've got Tim McKee and Josh Nelson here. They are from the Good Fish Importer, the Fish Guys, which has made a a big splash in town by growing by bringing in interesting species, and by being committed to sustainable practices. Um, And so I've got Tim McKee and Josh Nelson from the Fish Guys. Tim McKee, of course, Minnesota's first James Beard Award-winning chef for La Belle Vie, now has Octo Fish Bar and Almanac Fish in St. Paul. And we're going to talk all hour about everything that is happening in the oceans, everything, everything. If you're a squid scuttling on the floors, call in. Uh, we'll talk to you. But till then, I will ask Tim and Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Right on. Thanks. All right. So we should start. Tim, 
I know you hate being called an angel, a good guy, a person. <laughs> Drives you crazy. He's recoiling from the microphone. I've done it already. Uh, so, but you were, you saw this, you saw what was happening in like 2002, 3, 4, and you decided to do something. Right. And um, I think it's it's such an important thing, and it goes along with even beyond seafood, just an overall starting to care where your food is coming from and how that food is treated and how the environment as a whole is treated. And uh, when you when you approach it uh, from that angle, it really makes such a such an important difference that you source sustainably. Because I imagine it's quite, a, you know, it's a certain amount of uh, enlightened self-interest in this. Is you're a chef, you're looking around, you're like, there's going to be nothing left to cook in 25 years. I got to, we got to shift this. Well, I mean, that's, that, that, that might factor into it, but not that much. Um, really, it, it's, uh, it's about the quality of the ingredients. Um, if you're uh, overfishing, you're going to have less to choose from. If you're, uh, if you're, Farming methods are bad. You're going to get bad quality fish. So it it all boils down to the uh, the care taken for your ingredients. So was that eureka moment then back when you decided to to shift your life and really put a, put a lot of your you know money on the on the on the gamble of that people would want to eat the better stuff and do the right thing? Was that um, Eureka moment really coming from your place as a chef and wanting the good ingredients? Well, I think I think so. And I don't know that it was so much a, a eureka moment as much as just continuing and finding out that uh, that I can be in a position to actually do something about it. Well, Sea Change, which you founded, was very explicitly about having better fish. Right, right. And it highlighted fish and and almost as importantly, it highlighted uh, the sustainability of fish. Well, that was in the name. Right. But you're saying it wasn't a eureka moment. It was a... Well, I guess I'm not quite confident what a eureka moment is. But there was a moment where you decided, yeah. like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have sustainability. I mean, you were one of the voices in that early the, the... period kind of talking about sustainability as a critical issue in right. fish. The biggest biggest thing for me was recognizing that... Something needed to be done, and I was in a position to start to do something about it. All right. Well, Josh Nelson, you were also in that kind of foundational generation. You helped the Minnesota Zoo start their Fish Smart program. That is correct. I did. Um, you know, I cooked for years and, and, and went back to school and got a degree. You know, didn't want to continue cooking because of uh, family constraints, but ended up uh, – applying for a job at the Minnesota Zoo in the education department, um, looking to start a sustainability, a sustainable seafood program. So I ended up getting the job. They had gotten a grant from the Walton Foundation, which does an amazing amount of work, despite, you know, whatever you may or may not think about Walmart, um, puts a lot of money back into environmental issues. So we came up with a program. We called it Fish Smart. And the idea was to engage chefs like Tim about, sustainable seafood and help bring awareness to the to the public. All right. And then, you know, so fast forward a couple of years, Tim, you, after you closed La Belle Vie, you bought into, are now a part of an importer called the Fish Guys. Talk, talk to us about the Fish Guys right. distributor. I, I uh, met with Mike uh, Higgins, the owner of the Fish Guys, and we, we decided to uh, uh, bring me on board and uh, 
it it helps me actually approach the 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 sustainable issues and uh, the restaurant uh, um, scene in kind of a different way. That now I'm involved in bringing in these products, which reinforces uh, my ability to move towards uh, more uh, sustainability in the Twin Cities. And the Twin Cities are in this particularly good place, and this is something I really wanted to get into in the story that's in the magazine, which is that we are, you know, it's kind of like an hourglass. If the top of the hourglass is the oceans of the world and the bottom of the hourglass is all those people in the Twin Cities who eat, there's only a couple people in the middle, and you are one, the fish guys is one of them. Like, the, you know, anything that gets in here has to come through. Fish Guys, Fortune, and then, you know, U.S. Foods or one of the other distributors. And when you put in sustainable practices and Coastal Fortune puts in sustainable practices, it becomes difficult for an everyday consumer to eat the bad stuff. Well, I think in a lot of ways, but I think I might differ with your idea that uh, maybe the problem is solved. I think we've got a lot of uh, real positive momentum, but there's... There's still some things, you know, we, we've talked about, uh, uh, say, shrimp from Southeast Asia. Well, let's get, let's get into two things. Let's get into, one, something that has changed that people might not be aware of, and two, a place for a lot of improvement, and that's that, uh, that shrimp. I promise you we would talk about that because you're, you're passionate about the fact that a lot of shrimp that we're eating today is not terrific, and I, too, am, am passionate about that. People should not be eating weird residues of pesticides uh, without knowing it. So, uh, but first, let's talk about one thing, and then we'll take a break. And that one thing I want to talk about is that you wanted to get across. A lot of people have um, old news about fish farms. Let's talk about the new news. So old news about fish farms, I will I will say, is that they're just not environmentally good. They eat more fish than they produce and make a mess. What's the new news? Well, that was, there was a time where farmed fish was bad. It was bad for the environment. It was bad for the fish. It was bad all the way around. And uh, I think what is happening today in aquaculture is pretty amazing. We've got a perfect example in our own backyard on West 7th. We've got Urban Organics. They're ra- raising uh, uh, char in just an amazing way, Arctic char. On 7th Street in downtown St. Paul. It's not the Arctic, but they've got Arctic char. But uh, what what happens in in as as uh, we develop better methods, uh, we are able to eliminate all the problems. Uh, I've seen. So some things that are happening is they're putting fish in deeper water and being able to move the pen. So I'm thinking there about places like Schooner Bay. Talk about that. Like Schooner Bay is a perfect example. Say they operate 30 farms. They may be only producing in 20 of those. So they're going to uh, you know, employ a form of rotational grazing just like in, in any other agricultural setting so they can allow sites to go fallow. Because what happens in these open pens that are, that are in the ocean, and luckily for Schooner Bay, they have tidal flow, so they've got stuff moving around so stuff doesn't settle and accumulate like it does in some other so areas. So just picture like mountains around a bay and then oh, there's gorgeous. and then there's uh, pens of fish like nets around, you know, floating nets and then they can move them so the mm-hmm. waste of the fish doesn't accumulate and make the bottom all mucky. Right. I mean, they, they, they can move them. They also have feeders on timers now so they can stop feeding the fish when the fish are done. 
so it doesn't keep feeding and that food going to the bottom and the fish waste going to the bottom. It causes eutrophication, and all of a sudden you've got a dead zone and you got to move on. So they get in front of that altogether, and by the time they move to a new place, that ecosystem is, is in very good shape as it is. They're not doing anything to really destroy it. But so, they're still employing the rotational grazing, which is just better for the environment anyways. So where we used to feel like fish farming bad, now it goes down to the specific fish farm and their practices. Know your farmer, and not every farm's created equally, you know. And so then the where you're getting the fish from becomes even more important. So that's something, you know, a lot of the better groceries in the Twin Cities are very up on this. Uh, Lunds of Byerly's, uh, Kowalski's. Whole Foods, like they all have sustainability protocols, which I didn't realize how involved some of these are. I mean, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've worked with retailers in the past, whether it's to, to uh, you know, we've helped Lunds get a, a business partnership with Seafood Watch Program. So you can, you know, the idea is to be able to make a statement about your sustainability practices, but then to have some measurable, measurable goals to be able to quantify that and improve your sustainability so, you know, they can make a statement, we're not going to have any red-listed items by 2025. That's great. How are you going to prove that, track it, do that? And that's what these guys are all doing. So these are very robust sustainability programs. Okay, so the old news, we don't like fish farms. The new news, know your fish farm. That's the kind of takeaway from that. And restaurants should know their – they should be able to answer that question. If you're sitting down at a table – and you want to know, you know, is this from a fish farm that has sustainable practices, that is green lit, lit is, you know, top of the line, they should be able to tell you. Yeah, you can. You can uh, a customer will come into Almanac Fish and ask me about the driftless trout. I can tell them the story about the farm. They can ask me about the farm Norwegian, the farm Norwegian salmon, which is certified organic in the EU. The ability, what, what we look for at the fish guys is, is something that, has a good story to tell. And you don't want to get into weird Portlandia kind of chicken stories, but you want to be able to tell a story and have some kind of tangible thing that the customer can say, wow, this is really cool. These guys are doing great things. It's a healthy product. They're good stewards of the land. I want to, I, I'm going to choose, to, this is what I'm going to consume. Okay, we're going to take a little break here for some commercials. We're going to come back, and then we're going to talk about one of the big unsolved problems, shrimp. They're a little guy with a big problem. And we'll talk about that when we come back. We are continuing to get to the bottom of the fish kettle here and off the menu. All right. So the one thing that Tim really wanted us to cover, I promised I would, is that we as a people, as a community, as a city, we can do a lot better when it comes to shrimp. Farmed shrimp from Southeast Asia is a bit of a mess. It has a lot of residues in it of weird antibiotics and stuff because they're all crowded together in the mud and they don't live well. And then we eat them and they're cheap and they should be cheap because they're just – it's not a good scene. So let's talk about the the alternative. What people should be doing is looking for, asking for better shrimp. Take it away, Josh Nelson. You founded the, the Fish Smart program. You know a lot about these little guys that live in the mud. So a couple things, farm shrimp. Um, really, if you want to get the most sustainable, most responsibly raised shrimp, you're going to look for stuff that's, that's grown in what they call closed recirculating land systems. So there's no waste. There's no – it's just – Closed it, recirculating. Yeah. That's like an aquarium. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, and we use one out of Texas called Capano, Capano Blues. Very sustainable. 
and what a consumer can do when they're going to the grocery store and looking, whether it's a Capano blue bag or, or any other bag, they can turn it around. And on Wild Fish, you have Marine Stewardship Council and you have Seafood Watch giving ratings and recommendations. On the farm side, you have something through the Global Aquaculture Alliance called the Aquaculture Stewardship Council, ASC. And on the back of the bag— I've seen that, the ASC logo. That's yeah. what it stands for, Aquaculture Stewardship. I'm learning things. Yep. So okay. if you look at the bottom, it's going to have a rating. So these, they have to pay a third party to come in and do an audit of their— of their operation, and they can get up to five stars now. They can get a star in the processing plant. They can get a star in the food. They can get a star in how they treat their work, the human welfare aspect, um, different things. So you, you look for the back of that. If the back of the bag has even one star, you're good. To, you can feel pretty comfortable about that. You'd rather they have more, but the fact that they're going through an audit and trying to be transparent is great. That is news I can use. Yeah. And on the wild side, you know, one of the ones we really – we do two different ones. We do some bottom trawl caught U.S. Gulf of Mexico wild shrimp, which are yellow rated, which is a good alternative according to Seafood Watch. They're delicious. Those Gulf shrimp, wild caught Gulf shrimp are just a treasure. They have a beautiful – especially if you can get the shell on ones and cook them in the shell, even better. The peel and eats that we do at Octo are fantastic. Yeah. I love caught shrimp. And then there's another one we're really proud of called Skull Island, and they're out of North Australia. Is that where King Kong lives, Skull Island? Exactly. (laughs) These are his shrimp. Um, (laughs) They're a giant prawn, and and what's cool is this was a fishery that 20 years ago was a disaster. It had over 300 boats fishing it. It was just depleted. The bycatch was insane. Now there's 52 boats that are licensed to do it. All 52 boats have Marine Stewardship Council certification to it, so it's an MSC-certified fishery. So while seafood, See, that's what I wanted to get to at the story. Like, there's a lot of stories like that. If you leave the fish alone, they will reproduce and come back, and we can figure it well, out. And they've even they've even figured out low impact. They only fish at night to have minimal impact on bycatch because the other fish that they may catch in these nets aren't there. So they're, they're catching sleeping. just shrimp. <laughs> the MSC is another important little. You'll find that on the back of, of wild fishery, especially frozen stuff too. Where Seafood Watch may make a recommendation as a species as a whole, which is a little general sometimes, and sometimes people can have an issue with that. And it's so confusing because they could have all they, all different fish can have the same name. They're like right. what I call rockfish in you know Louisiana might be what you'd have. It's totally different than what somebody calls rockfish who lives in Tanzania. Right. And so MSC will go and look at specific fisheries and say, well, Chilean sea bass from this part of, of Patagonia is bad. This part from the, just above the Arctic Circle is okay. They're fishing right. You know, things like that. So MSC, they paid to have MSC come in. And the Skull Island fishery is MSC certified, which is the gold pass for awesomeness. All right. I would talk about this all day with you, but... We do not have that kind of time. So anybody who wants to do some more geeking out, go to almanacfish.com. Go to Almanac Fish. The actual place is on the north end of the St. Paul Farmer's Market. Talk to Josh. He will be back behind the counter. He wants you to eat sustainably. I want you to do that. Makes the world better. Thank you, Tim McKee, for all that you've done for us here in the Twin Cities and making fish better. Amen. All right. When we come back. Not talking about fish, we're talking about summer squash. They're the yellow zucchini. I got a lot to say about those too. Yeah, we are we have made some good choices. Us people, the Twin Cities getting together and deciding to support better fish. I'm proud of us. That was a good call. All right, so here's what I gotta say about summer squash. 
Have you been to the farmer's market? I have been going. They're piled up. You see them from far away. You think bananas. No, they're not bananas. They're, they're, it's all kinds of it's zucchini season and it's summer squash season. We'll get to zucchini another year. But, I mean, another week and also another year. Zucchini is eternal. We will always return to it. All right, So, but summer squash, the crazy thing about summer squash is it's extremely healthy for you. Uh, it's There have been studies that the National Institute of Health found there's something, something in it that helps reduce stomach cancer, boosts immunity, fights depression. There's something in it. It's good for you. Uh, that's a lot of miracles for squash. All right, so summer squash. We're talking about the soft one, the yellow one. It's a yellow zucchini. You know what I mean, summer squash. Patty pans are also summer squash. And I've got right now up at WCCORadio.radio.com menu. We've got all the summer squash recipes. They're also linked on my Facebook page, Dara.Grumdahl. Number one, I love, I love this recipe, the Szechuan summer squash pickles. So it's just a refrigerator pickle, but there's something about a couple of those little star anise stars, uh, you know, vinegar, little sugar, red pepper flakes. They are so good. You could eat a pile of them, and you should. No reason not to. I have the recipe of Sean Brock's ratatouille. Ratatouille, not the movie. The actual chopped up, little balsamic, little herbs, olive oil. Oh, it is so good. You put it on risotto for an entree. Put it next to your beer can chicken because you're living large. Very nice. I put up a recipe from the local blogger, Amanda Pa, who's so good at Heartbeat Kitchen. She has a recipe for a summer squash banana bread. Yeah, you're sick of zucchini bread and you want to change it up and make a summer squash banana bread? That is up right now. I've got a pureed summer squash soup. It's a good one. If you got a, a bunch of injured summer squash, if you bought the bargain basket, it's all dinged up, throw them into the blender. That is, that's healthy. That's good. It's like a smoothie, but it's soup, but it's easy and in season. I'm all about it. Uh, And then I've got one for a baked summer squash. This is like a classic. You just slice it up, put it in a ramekin, kind of a baker with grated parmesan and some breadcrumbs. It's kind of a lot to ask to turn in your oven, but maybe some of you want to do that. It's one of my favorite recipes anyway. So these are all up at the new nifty, awesome Entercom website. They're there right now. And now we have the Ask Me Anything. I got a question about who has the best pork ribs in the metro. You know, my favorite right now is a place called Black Market Barbecue. You can find their schedule online at blackmarketstpaul.com, blackmarketstp.com. And they go up on the St. Paul Bluffs on Isabel Street. They're totally worth seeking out. Um, And I am also, if you uh, are a pork rib obsessive, I am doing the Mystic Mystic Lake Barbecue cook-off that's on, I think, is that the 27th? Yeah, that's when that is, on August, and uh, July 27th, the Mystic Lake Festival. They're going to have that little yodeling kid that was a big internet sensation. So that's the July 27th, 29th, the Great Midwest Rib Fest. Rib Fest. So if you want ribs right now, find Black Market, St. Paul. If you want ribs in a couple weeks, go find me at uh, Mystic Lake at the Rib Fest. That's going to be fun. 
Yodeling kid. Come on. I love that. All right. I got a question. Best way to do restaurant week. Oh, this is what you do. Just find a friend. The most important thing is a friend. Find your friend. Go to Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine's Restaurant Week and go to mspmag.com. Find the whole website. There's $15 lunches and all these fancy restaurants, super cheap. They want to get you in there. And then call your friend and make a plan. Uh, Irby's on the Park has a good-looking menu, a burger, $15 lunch. So you want to meet your friends. Don't you want to do that? That's what I think. So the most important thing to do Restaurant Week is just get out there, live your life, find your friends. All right, next week, the woman who is redefining northern soul food in our time, Lachelle Cunningham, she will be here. She has struck out on her own place called Shell's Kitchen. I'm very curious about how collard greens are changing in our time. Are we going to have a, a pork-free collard green future? All right, so till then, start checking your roadsides for sweet corn stands the golden sweet corn season is upon us. And corn congratulations if you find one. Yeah, I said congratulations. Ah, uh, I will do this all week, but I will spare you till I see you here next week on Off the Menu. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.